Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Guys, I'm excited about this. We've been in this Making Room series and uh, really the principal idea, uh, if, if you're new here today, just so you can kind of catch up with us, the principal idea is there's a big difference between inspiration and participation. And we pray and we hope that every time you come to church, you are inspired for change. You're inspired to follow Jesus more. You're inspired to grow. But, but being inspired is not, gonna, is not good enough. I mean, really being inspired on a Monday has nothing to do with whether or not you're going to participate on a Tuesday in actually making room for God to change you and bless you and grow you. And last week we talked about making room for prayer and I feel like it's fitting because we're going to jump right off the back of that uh, and this week we're going to talk about making room for, give, for forgiveness. And we're doing this in looking at a prayer that Jesus prayed, one of the most profound prayers in all of scripture and it's, it's not... It's not a very long prayer. It's a very simple prayer, in fact. It's only 10 words long. Eight of these 10 words are just single-syllable words, but it's a prayer that Jesus prayed and its implications that it has for your life and for mine and, and how we can have been changed by it, but then how we can be changed on a daily basis by this prayer is profound. And I want to go ahead and dive right in today and look at this and making room for prayer. We're going to look at Jesus' prayer in Luke 23, verse 34, and he simply prayed this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Many of you know the context of this prayer. You know that Jesus prayed this prayer when he had crude spikes that were being hammered through his hands and his feet onto the cross by a group of Roman executioners. A group of men whose next move was going to be that they were going to gamble over Jesus' clothes. And this isn't just like a, your normal group of guys. This isn't just your average Joe. These, these are bloodthirsty men. Men so hungry for, for vengeance and violence that the only thing the Roman army could think to do with them is to give them jobs as paid murderers. And, and here these group of men are, are spitting on Jesus and ridiculing him and hammering nails into his hands. And it was during this period of time that Jesus, on their behalf, prayed for them to the Heavenly Father and said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Now guys, my, my main point is coming early. In fact, it's coming right now. This is what I hope that you would get from today. You can tell a lot about a person's heart by what they pray when they have been wronged. Let me say that again. You can tell a lot about a person's heart by what they pray when they've been wronged. It's like a window into a person's heart. It's a window into, the, into their soul of what they pray when something wrong has happened to them. Now, it, it, let's be honest. We've all been wronged. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, if, if, if you've ever had someone that has wronged you before, every hand in this room would go up because every one of us have been wronged. In fact, every one of us are wrongdoers. I'm a wrongdoer. In fact, you're, you're sitting next to a person right now that is a wrongdoer. 
And if, if they've done you wrong in the last couple of days, don't look at them right now. It'd be really awkward for the people sitting around you. But we're all wrongdoers. And, and I, I can think of so many different times that I've been wronged. In fact, a couple of years ago, I, I think of a way that I was wronged in Denver, Colorado. I was mugged. Okay, well, kind of in a unique way. But what happened was Amelie and I went to Coors Field to watch a baseball game. And we were excited about the baseball game. And it was hot. And we thought we'd go in and get something to eat and drink before we came out to our seats. So I went up to the concession counter and I bought two hot dogs, two Diet Cokes, and a bag of sunflower seeds. Now turn to the person next to you and tell them how much I had to spend on that much food. $35. In 25 cents. I was wronged, right? And to make things even worse, I come out just disturbed how much I just spent on this food. And we sat down and I had to sit next to a guy wearing a Dodgers jersey. It was horrible. Right? I think every one of us in this room, we we know what it's like to have been wronged. We've gone through times in our lives where we've gone through really big wrongs. We've gone through really simple wrongs, and sometimes it can even feel like you're just being wronged all the time. And today I wanted to share with you a teaching that I've heard many different times over the years. This isn't a teaching I've come up with. This is something I've had taught to me as I was growing up by many different pastors and mentors in my life. And it's something I want to share with you today because I I think it will help you with where you're at right now. But it can also help you with, with the people around you when they're hurt and when they're wronged by other people. And they need to forgive as well. And that's this teaching is that there's three different categories of wrongdoing. And every one of us have experienced wrongs in our life, and you can pretty much categorize the wrong that you experienced into one of these three categories. And the reason that you'd want to do this is because once you can kind of identify what category of wrongdoing this is, you can best know what to pray and how to minister to someone and how to come out of the pain that comes with these different level of wrongdoing. So I want to give you these three different categories uh, today. The first category, uh, normally when I see this, is, it's very easy to identify. But I could normally see this when after a service or sometime throughout the week, I'll run into someone in the mall. And they want to come and tell me the story of how they've been wronged. And it's the who, what, where, when, and why of, uh, of how they were wronged and how they felt when they were wronged. And many times when someone stops me and wants to tell me about a difficulty they've gone through, it's only a couple sentences in before I can automatically just recognize, oh, category one, wrongdoing. This is... This is really a simple thing. It's not that difficult. Just category one. This is like a speed bump in life. And anytime I can recognize that this is category one, I have one word that I will be ready. And like I will cue it up. I will tee it up. Ready to use this so that it comes out at the most opportune time. And I will stir up as much sarcasm as I possibly can to get the full effect. And it will sound like this. I'll say, really? Really, that's what's bothering you right now? 
And this started when I was working with teenagers, when I was working with high schoolers here at our church. Because many times I would hear a teenager come up and they would start to tell me about how they were wronged. And I knew it was category one because it would sound something like this. Uh, you know, I can't believe it. I was out the other night and I got, I got caught speeding and I got a ticket and I got home late and my parents grounded me. Can you believe they're treating me like this? Like, whoa, so Really? So you're saying you were out past your curfew, you got a ticket and your parents grounded you and you were the one that was wronged? Really? It, or it's the young bride who, who comes in after service and tears running down her face. And, and you know, I, I know I should be sensitive and I should really care to hear all these stories. So I'll, I'll listen as much as I can. And she'll tell me, you know, we were going to do a Broncos game at our house and, and my husband said he was going to invite a couple guys over. And I was thinking like three and eight guys came over to the house, and we ran out of food, and I was humiliated. Like, really? You're going to put them on the couch for that? I mean, come on. And I guess, I guess maybe I'm, I'm just getting a little impatient sometimes when I hear believers, you know, followers of Christ who have experienced his forgiveness get the little speed bumps in life and say, you're not going to believe it. This person said this or this person posted that and I'm just so hurt by it. And really, what am I getting at here? I think what I'm getting at is that sometimes in life we just, we face some speed bumps. We just get rattled a little bit by life. And, and as a follower of Christ, we're told if we're people filled with the Holy Spirit, full of love, then, then one of the things the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5 is that we're not easily angered. That someone who's a Christ follower shouldn't be easily angered. Other translations of the same verse say not easily provoked or not easily offended. Because you're going to go through things in life and it's like, ah, just, just a speed bump. And really, it's not a big issue where we got to come out to counseling and, and, and do like a big prayer time or something. It's just as simple as, I'm not going to get easily offended by that. I'm not going to get easily angered by that. But we see sometimes when the speed bumps of life hit us, we see what really spills out of us. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. I recognize one time uh, with my father, I saw a speed bump of life hit him and his, his response to it was amazing to me. I learned so much from it. I've shared this story with you before. Uh, some of you might remember this, but a couple years back, we were at Outback Steakhouse. And my father had just finished a wedding, so he was in a nice suit. The rest of us, it was our day off, so we're like in casual clothes, hanging out. But we met him at Outback Steakhouse, and uh, so he's sitting there with his suit. We ordered some appetizers, and with, with the appetizer, the waitress brought out a, a side bowl full of ranch dressing. And she kind of got turned around next to our table, getting around someone and kind of tripped and stumbled. And what she did, she grabbed the tray and it just flung it just right. We're like, in slow-mo, you could see this bowl of ranch dressing that flies over my shoulder across the table. And it's like the whole place goes silent and gasping. <gasps> and it lands right on the side of my dad's head and pours all the way down his suit. And for like two whole seconds, the entire restaurant completely silent until my mother, who was sitting right next to him, went, <laughs> It 
we started like laughing as hard as we can. Now this poor waitress, she's like, she's thinking she's gonna lose her job. So she's like, please stop laughing. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna get a towel. Stop laughing. I'm so sorry. And my father, he just, he, he wipes some of the ranch dressing off the side of his face. He goes, it's no big deal. Can I just get some napkins? And she's like, sir, I'm so sorry. We'll, we'll get your suit clean for you. I, we'll do whatever we can. I'm so sorry. And he goes, ma'am, first world problems. Like, not, not really a big deal. Just, just a little speed bump in life. And we laughed about this for the longest time, but I look back on it and I realize, you know, there's a lot of times in my life that I've hit a speed bump and what spilled out of me didn't look anything like that. I wonder, are there any of you that would say you're kind of like me where sometimes you're a little too easily offended? You know, you pick up something that is really not that big of a deal, but now all of a sudden it's changed my attitude and I'm allowing it to affect me. And, and something came out of me where maybe I blew up and maybe now I wish I could take some words back. And, and, and I see that sometimes the speed bump of life will really reveal what's going on in your heart. So I wonder then if maybe you're someone in this room who, like me at times, has faced some of these category one wrongdoings. It's really, really not that big of a deal. It's really not someone else's big fault against me, but it's just part of life. When I find myself in those times, in those situations, what I do is I modify this prayer that Jesus prayed. And led by the Holy Spirit, sometimes I'll pray and I'll say, God, Father, forgive me. I don't know what I'm doing. I wonder, I bet there's some people in here right now that maybe you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on you going, maybe that's a prayer you need to start modifying for your own life. God, forgive me. I, it's like I missed the plot. I've forgotten that I am a forgiven, loved child of God, and here I am freaking out about something that really is just life. Father, forgive me, for I don't know what I'm doing. So maybe in your own words right now, I mean, don't, don't say it out loud, but maybe you just need to take a moment and say, God, forgive me, I missed the plot. I don't know why I'm freaking out about things that I shouldn't be freaking out about. That's category one. I'll move on to the next category. The next category is something that I think every one of, this, of us in this room have really experienced, and category two is actually a real wrongdoing where you've been hurt by someone, maybe betrayed by someone, lied about by someone. There's been wounds or damage that have actually taken place in your personal life. And examples of this I can think of is there's been times I've had people come to me and say something like, Pastor, I just need to tell you about what took place. And I'll stop and listen. They'll say, you know, I've been struggling with an area of my life. I've been struggling with a sin, and I wanted to share it with someone. So I finally went out with a friend of mine, and I talked to them about this struggle of mine, and I was embarrassed. It was humiliating to get it out there, but I, I felt good to confess it. And this friend of mine that I thought I could trust, I told him, please don't tell anyone. And then, and then within 24 hours, I found out that there was people at my work that knew about what I told to him. And there were people in my small group that knew about it, and he betrayed my confidence, he betrayed my trust, and I'm humiliated now. When I hear that, I, I know that this is category two, and I respond with, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry, because you shouldn't be treated that way. You shouldn't be hurt that way and betrayed that way, but the truth is, we live in a broken world with broken people, and in your life, you're going to have some experiences that hurt. 
And every time I have a conversation with someone like this, they, they, they come around and they ask, okay, well, what should I do about this? What should I do? And I bring up this prayer that Jesus prayed, and I said, you know, Jesus was wronged, and he prayed a prayer, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And, and you know, there's a lot of times where people will hear that and say, well, hold on a minute. I'm not Jesus, you know, like, I'm really hurt by this, and I, I'm, I'm not perfect, you know. I, I don't know that I can handle it, and I, I think sometimes God is still just working on them and their timing of getting ready to forgive. But there's a lot of times that people come back and say, okay, so if, if Jesus was able to forgive like that, then what does that look like for me? So a lot of times I'll say, if you just got like two or three minutes, I want to take you to a verse in the Bible and show you what Jesus told us to do when we're wronged that way and when we're, we're, we're forgiving someone. And, and really it comes to reconciliation. And Jesus taught us how to reconcile a relationship. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, he, Jesus says this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Guys, there's three steps that Jesus tells us in this short verse. The first step is you go. You go. He says, if another person sins against you, you go. You go to them. So there's a lot of us that we carry offenses in life because we're waiting for the other person that maybe someday they're going to realize what they did wrong and they're going to come and apologize to me. Maybe someday they're going to come and they're going to own up to their wrong and we go through life waiting on them. And Jesus is saying, if you've been offended, that is not how you go through life. He says, you go. The responsibility is on you to go to them. And that's the second point is you go privately. Privately. Not that you go share your offense with other people. This, this means you don't have the meeting before the meeting. You know, where you, you, you pull some friends around and say, you're not going to believe what Mark did to me. You know, I, I'm going to talk to him about the, the, this next week, but he did this and that and this and that. What do you think I should do about it? And have the meeting where we're sharing all of the ugly stuff that took place before we even have the meeting. I can tell you from time to time there are people on our staff, people that are very close to me that, that maybe I've done something that's wrong them and they come to me and want to talk to me. And there's been a couple different times where someone's come to me and said, Dan, I need to talk to you about something. And I just want you to know before we get into this, before we have this conversation, I haven't talked to anybody else about this. This is just between me and you. I can tell you I respect them so much when they, they hold on to God's word this way and go, this is not something that we're going to make public because we're going to keep it private. And that's for the third point is because the point of this is to reconcile. You go in private to reconcile. The whole idea of this, it says if the other person listens and confesses this, you have won that person back. You know, have you ever had someone that's confronted you on something? You could tell their idea of confronting you was not to come to reconciliation. They just wanted to give it to you. They just wanted to pound, pound it out and hurt you and wound you over it. Well, that's not the idea behind this at all. You know, the idea is not to just go to someone and blast them, but the idea is to go to them and say, I want to fix this. You know, it looks like, you know, Joe, we have a relationship and you know, I, I just got to be honest about something. I feel like I've been hurt a little bit, and you probably even know what this is about, but the idea of me talking to you about this is that I believe at the end of this conversation we could be stronger as friends and we could trust each other that much more. So we go to a person to reconcile. 
And then with this whole idea comes up the question then, if I am going to go to someone and reconcile with someone who has hurt me and I'm going to forgive them, then when is the timeline on this? When should I do this? And Jesus actually teaches on this. And he gives us an example that's very clear in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. He says this, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, basically if you're worshiping God at church, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So when Jesus is talking about getting right with other people, he's actually saying, if you're at church and you're worshiping God and you're singing worship songs and you feel the Holy Spirit remind you that you have a problem with someone else, he's saying, leave. Like, stop what you're doing right now. It's more important that you go fix the problem with them than to stay in the worship service. It's funny because I heard a youth pastor one time that was teaching on this scripture. He was teaching it very passionately. He was teaching about the fact that you should even leave a church service to go fix a problem with someone. And he said while he was teaching this, one-third of the youth students stood up and started leaving. He's like, are you kidding me, guys? At first he's offended because he's like, I got an end to this message, you know. <laughs> like, stick around for a minute. But then he started getting really proud of them and thank God for the fact that all these teenagers were getting up. And in fact, he started applauding them because they were getting up because they knew, like, right now I've got to stop what I'm doing and I've got to get out of here so I can go fix this problem with my friend. So side note, this would be a really awkward time to get up and go to the bathroom right now. <laughs> you might get a little applause for you. Like, yeah, you go, you do it. <laughs> but he's saying, when would, when would you do this? You do it right now. If you have a problem with someone else, go fix it now. These category two offenses in life, these wrongdoings in life, they're going to happen. And you can't just hold on to them because if you hold on to them, what's going to happen is you're going to begin to fill your life up with with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and regret and with all of that stuff in your life how how then are you going to have room for the blessings that God wants to give you we got to do this we got to do it now but that brings us to another really important point when it comes to you going to reconcile with someone and it's found with us in Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says this as far as it depends on you Live at peace with everyone. That verse says, as far as it depends on you. The responsibility is as far as what you can do about it. But this doesn't mean that you are supposed to try to control someone and force them to, for, to forgive you. Force them to reconcile with you. Because there's going to be times in your life when you go and you try to fix something with someone else and they, they're not having it. Nah. I'm, I'm not doing this. You don't realize how bad you've hurt me. You don't, we're, we're not fixing this. I'd rather just be upset with you if that's the case. You've done what, it, as far as it depends on you. Now, now you just got to wash your hands of it and you got to move on and you got to get back to living your life. And I would tell you that when it comes to reconciling with people, following these three steps of, of you go in private to reconcile, that's going to that's gonna solve more than 90% of the difficulties that you face in relationships with one another. But then, i got to tell you, just as a side note, there's going to be times where you're going to have to get into Matthew 18 and see that there's some further steps because sometimes in the difficulty of reconciling, you might have to bring in a mediator, you might have to bring in someone from the church, and Jesus goes on to teach about that there. But anytime you're faced 
with a level two, a category two wrongdoing, the step that we need to take is we need to pray and ask God, God, give me the, the courage to go in private and confront this person and for the purpose of trying to reconcile. So we all deal with category one offenses, just speed bumps in life. We all deal with category two offenses, which are actually wounds that we will take in this life. But then there's another category. It's category three. And category three is, is a category that not every person will actually experience in life. And I believe that's only because of the grace of God that we won't all experience this type of, of horrific, tragic wrongdoing. But there are people in this room that have experienced category three wrongdoings, and this is wrongdoings that, that can wound you for a lifetime. There are people in this room that have been abused. People in this room whose spouse have walked out on them and had an affair. People in this room who have lost loved ones to drunk drivers, lost loved ones to, to cancer. There are some big difficulties that certain people in life will face. And th this is category three level wrongdoing. What do you do when you face a tragic level of pain in your life? There's a woman that's written about, her story is documented in a book by Adam Hamilton called Forgiveness. And, and her name is Victoria Rivolo, and she was a, a New York resident. In November of 2004, she found herself driving down the highway and had no idea that she was just moments away from a Category 3 level tragedy in her life. Because just down the road on the opposite uh, side of the highway, coming and oncoming traffic, it was a group of teenagers who were out just doing a little joyriding. And there was a young man in this car by the name of Ryan who thought it would be funny to reach into a grocery bag and pull out a 20-pound frozen turkey and lob it over the divider into oncoming traffic. Many of you can already assume what happened next. This 20-pound turkey came through the windshield of Victoria's car and hit her and broke every bone in her face. And at the scene of the accident, she almost died and she laid there in the car crash going through so much pain. And the story jumps forward to months later after months of recovery and surgeries and, and just unbelievable pain. She found herself with an opportunity to go sit in the courtroom while this young man by the name of Ryan was being sentenced for his crimes. And the judge actually allowed Victoria to get up and speak to the court before he was sentenced. And the book records her statement, said this, in a steady vo voice, Victoria said, Ryan, there's no room in my life for vengeance. I've asked the judge to be lenient upon you and if my generosity will help you mature into a responsible, compassionate, honest man whose graciousness is a source of pride to your loved ones, then I will truly be gratified and my suffering will not have been in vain. Guys, in a, in a public courtroom, she forgave him. In a public courtroom, in essence, she said, Father, forgive him for he knows not what he does. And we see that the response to this is this young man, Ryan, began breaking down and sobbing in the courtroom and began apologizing to her for this act of stupidity and what it cost her. And the judge was so moved by this that we see that later the judge sentenced Ryan to six months as opposed to the 25 years that he could have received as a maximum. Guys, that type of forgiveness is life-changing. That type of forgiveness 
it's mind-blowing. It takes your breath away. It causes people to start to ask the question because they look at, at people like Victoria and they look at people like who are in this room who have gone through tragedies, who are forgiven, and they'll ask questions like, how could you ever find it in your heart to forgive him? How, how could you find it in your heart to forgive this person who has wronged you in such a huge and tragic way? And the answer to this that we find it in a different type of heart. Because the normal human heart is the human heart that wants vengeance, wants to just, you know, I, I, I want to pound the flesh from this. I, 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 want, I want some justification to come out of all of this. But, but it's a heart that's been changed and transformed by God, a different type of heart that can forgive big tragedies. A different type of heart is a type of heart that says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And really it comes from understanding the true forgiveness of your heavenly Father. From understanding that, that really you owe him so much more because of your unfaithfulness. I owe him so much more because of my unfaithfulness and my sin. And and when we see that he so graciously forgave us and he pours out new mercies on us every day, it takes that type of understanding, that type of a heart to stand before God and and, and to, to look at people who have tragically harmed us and say, God, forgive them. And when you pray a prayer and you're saying, God, forgive them, you're not saying, I agree with what they did. You're not saying what they did was okay and I just need to get over it. You're saying, God, I don't want my life to be full of bitterness and anger and hurt. I want my life to be full of life. So I need to make room for forgiveness. Every once in a while, I'll meet with someone who's gone through one of these category three tragedies. You've been wronged and you've been wronged in a deep and painful way. And the truth is, it's not like I can just reach into a bucket and give a whole bunch of options. Like, well, you could do this or you can do that or you can do this or you can do No, we see as followers of Christ, there's, there's really only one option. There's really just this option of saying, God, forgive them. They don't know what they did to me. And I've been carrying around all this burden, this weight, this bitterness of, of feeling like the, they owe me something. But I'm going to lay that at your feet now. Because I want my life to be full of life and joy and happiness. And Jesus shows us that if you fill your life, Matthew 18, if you fill your life with bitterness and unforgiveness, it's going to be a heavy dark life so this forgiveness thing it's, it's not like you're letting them off the hook it's not like uh, you know somehow they're getting the good and, and you're getting the bad into the deal but what forgiveness actually does is forgiveness makes room in your life for you to be happy again for you to have joy again for you to have peace again for you to sleep good again to not just walk around angry and hurt I want to ask you if you would to stand with me before we go today because I recognize in this room there's some of us that need to make some changes. Some of us that need to make some room. And I first want to talk to those of you that have been dealing in this category one and from no other point than just just being lighthearted and funny about it. Let me just say it one more time. Really? 
Really? You're getting offended about that? Maybe right now, you just need to close your eyes, bow your head, and just pray in your own words and say, God, forgive me, for I don't know what I'm doing. I've lost the plot. I've forgotten that I'm forgiven and loved by you. I've missed the point that you've forgiven me of so much more than I can even understand. Help me, God. Maybe you need to leave here and you need to confess to some people and say, you've been getting offended about things that just don't matter. As Christ followers, we need to take the the road bumps, the speed bumps in life, and we need to have the mercy of God splashing out of us. And the only way that happens is by continually, every day, getting into the flow of his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. And the second group, if you bow your heads, there's some of you in here right now Yeah, you might need to pray a prayer like this. God, give me the courage to go in private today to reconcile with this friend, this family, this loved one of mine. God, I pray as far as it depends on me, you'll give me the strength to be able to go and forgive them and move on. God, if they they won't reconcile with me, I, I pray that you'd help me to be able to just move on with my life, to get back to live it again. To not not be always concerned about all the junk. And then God, right now, as a church family, we pray for those people who have experienced the category three tragedies. The pain, the abuse, the molestation, the infidelity, God. The tragedies, the loss of loved ones. I believe right now, if you have the desire to forgive, the Holy Spirit will give you the strength. There's some of you in here that have been going, yeah, I'd like to, I just don't know how. Well, it begins with this prayer, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. It might mean you have to come back every day of your life and pray that prayer again. It might mean you have to come back over and over and over and over again, but just continually put it right back into God's hands and say, forgive them. They don't know what they did to me. Because God, we pray right now for every one of us that you would allow us to live life free of bitterness, free of unforgiveness, that God, you would make room in our lives for being blessed. And for the people in this room, they've been missing out on miracles, missing out on blessings because they're, they're, they're just walking around with so much baggage. Today, I pray that you would free them of that right now as they, in their own words, begin to just thank you and forgive those people who have hurt them. thank you for those people you're breaking free right now. We can't have a service like this without acknowledging that Jesus, you forgave us. So how ridiculous would it be that we call ourselves Christ followers and we're not willing to forgive others? So help us, God, look more like you. Thank you again for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. And I pray that as we leave, we would be able to participate in this. If it means a long journey ahead of us of forgiveness, I pray that, God, we would take the steps, not just being inspired, but we're ready to participate. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, and that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer at all, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or by email at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.